everything's changed forever. A revolution to create the future. And the future is pro wrestling. So, are you ready? Welcome to the Ultimate Pro Wrestling Podcast, a show by and for all wrestling fans. Whoever you cheer for, whatever you support, we are pro wrestling. We are the angle. It's funny because I woke up this morning to a text from a friend asking, one, when do I sleep? And two, do I even have a life? Because by the time normal people get up in the morning, I'm already heavily invested on Twitter. I'm posting videos. I'm on my third cup of coffee. I'm all in it. And at a time when there's so much pro wrestling, it's nearly impossible to have any downtime. And I love it. It's, it's my life. It's what I you know, enjoy. And it's, it was just a, funny, a really funny text uh, to answer. I was actually uh, away this past weekend. I was down in, in Orlando, Florida, doing some exciting stuff with NXT and the Performance Center, which I will get into later. But uh, I swayed some friends into watching wrestling. And these friends, they know I love wrestling. They know my passion for it. They do have some knowledge of wrestling, of the superstars, but the ones that most people typically know. Nothing further than that point. Now, one of my friends uh, made reference to a, a new show they saw on TNT that doesn't really resemble WWE, that didn't have the logo, nothing that they understood, nobody that they knew, and I honestly, I couldn't hold in my excitement. We ended up sitting down, watching Raw and SmackDown, and some of Being the Elite. I explained to them, you know, what is going on, that AEW is a new company, there are other companies out now for people who don't just want to watch WWE, or just are not getting what they want out of WWE. And they looked at me like I had four heads, because they've always lived in a world where... When you think of wrestling, you think of the WWE. You think of Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Stone Cold, The Undertaker. Typical names that people know. And when I showed them today's superstars, Kenny Omega, John Moxley, even NXT superstars like Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream, and, and they, they were just blown away. They couldn't understand. They couldn't grasp the concept of how far the business has come especially not really being involved in the business. They don't really know, like I said, much about it. Uh, it was kind of overwhelming for them to really you know, grasp the fact that there are competitors now for the WWE. And it is a lot for new viewers, but it's, it's just so cool to see how people get excited about pro wrestling, and it makes me excited to see people excited about pro wrestling, and it just wants, makes me want to talk about pro wrestling more. Now, speaking of that, as we go on with this episode, you'll probably hear some screaming, some pinning, some hitting in the background. I am watching the live episode of NWA Power that's streaming right now on YouTube. Now, I talked last week a lot about NWA Power, what uh, has come out of NWA, and what it means to have a back. Now, filling that roster out, the NWA roster, we see the likes of Colt Cabana, Nick Aldis, Eli Drake, the returning Ken Anderson, the also returning Damian Sanda, who now goes by a new name as Aaron. I just watched a, a match featuring Marty Bell, who is a great uh, women's performer. Now, if you're asking the question, why should I watch NWA Power or why would I enjoy NWA Power? Well, let me just quickly explain to you why or how NWA is unique and how it is different from all the other companies. AW, uh, AEW has said that they want to focus on storytelling and tag team wrestling. WWE has their thing. Every company kind of has their own thing. But NWA Power focuses on the promos, focuses on the storytelling within the promos, 
and they back that up with the wrestling in the ring. If you want to see some of the best promos in the world, some some uh, promos from James Storm, from Nick Aldis, from Eli Drake, check out NWA Power. I'm currently watching right now. I'm watching Aaron, formerly known as Damian Sandow, give a promo, uh, basically telling the crowd not to make eye contact with him, that he's better than them. He's saying silence, like he used to say. He plays, I think he's playing some sort of actor role, which is really up his alley, uh, kind of mixing all the roles. He's kind of had all the places he'd been, he's been. But this is just really exciting, really entertaining. It's a show you have to listen to. There's a show where uh, 60% is the promos, 40% is the in-ring work. And when the in-ring work is going on, it is extremely entertaining. Which kind of leads me to talk start talking about what we saw go down on Thursday. NXT UK. I have to say, this brand is the most underrated brand in all of professional wrestling. It doesn't get enough credit. It's not talked about as much as it should. The entire show, if you didn't, if, if you didn't watch this past week's NXT UK episode on the WWE Network, you are missing out, man. The mo- this, I'm telling you, the most underrated brand in professional wrestling. Every match was great. Every match proved that point. And it was just awesome to see uh, superstars like like the group Imperium, Dragunov, uh, Zaya Brookside, Dave Mastiff, Jordan Devlin, by the way, uh, trained by Finn Balor, the, the faction of Gallus, Mark Andrews, and Flash Morgan Webster. What an amazing show we saw. Although it only is about one hour every week. It is the most exciting hour I can possibly think of on the WWE Network. We saw new tag team champions, new NXT tag team champions in Gallus. They defeated Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster just after a short title run. They won, I think it was about almost two months ago, I would say, or two or three months ago, that Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster won the NXT tag team titles. And what an exciting match that was. But if you didn't catch this week's NXT UK, you need to get on your shit because that was one of the most exciting episodes. First off, one of the most exciting episodes I've seen from NXT UK. But out of everything I've seen this week already, NXT UK is already on top of my list to talk about. I think if you were to compare factions in the WWE in general, whether from NXT, NXT UK, 205 Live, Raw, SmackDown, whatever... Compare it with other companies outside of the WWE. You talk about Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact, NWA, you name it, AEW. Out of all the factions, I have to say NXT UK, their factions, if you're talking, if you're going to talk about Imperium, if you're going to talk about Gallus, they are strong, entertaining, exciting factions. I think the, the UK factions are at an all-time high right now. And if you were, like I said, if you were to compare it to different factions, obviously the Undisputed Era is exciting. You have the Bullet Club in New Japan Pro Wrestling. You have different factions wherever, you know, spread out throughout wrestling. But the ones that people are not really talking about are the ones in NXT UK, and they're so strong. I I don't really understand. I said before, NXT UK is the most underrated brand in professional wrestling, and it really is because everyone's talking about NXT, everyone's talking about AEW, everybody's talking about now that NWA is back, everybody's talking about how bad Raw and SmackDown, all the big names are in the headlines, but the one that no one is talking about, the one at the bottom of the list is NXT UK, and I'm not sure why, maybe 
it's because it's only featured one hour a week on the WWE Network, and you don't really see it promoted anywhere. You don't really see merch for it. You really don't see much from the NXT UK brand, which is kind of disappointing because they're really good. And a lot of people there, I mean, I, I don't know a lot of the names that are featured, um, which is why I like to watch it because it's like watching, you know, brand new superstars. Um, I know who Zaya uh, Brookside is, but I've never really seen her compete. We saw that happen this week. Dave Mastiff, I've seen here and there from him. I know he's a big guy. I know he's exciting to watch. He can really jump around the ring. We saw him take out Jordan Devlin this week. By the way, Jordan Devlin, a freaking star in the making, man. He's got to be on Raw or SmackDown soon. I don't know what they're going to do with him, but he is a star. Smaller dude, but really impressive. Uh, you could just look at him and you see the star power. It's kind of like with Finn Balor. Smaller guy, kind of quiet on the mic, but he I don't know. I like to talk about the NXT UK brand because no one's really talking about it. And it's just, it's so overall from the women, the tag team division, uh, major stars, mid carters, main eventers, whatever. Now that was Thursday. And now I want to talk about what happened on Friday. We saw Friday Night SmackDown. We saw King Corbin, Roman Reigns. Uh, we saw Heavy Machinery getting some TV time. Some interesting stuff from the New Day. I'm not sure what is happening right now. We saw Heavy Machinery talking to the New Day about positivity and Kofi losing the WWE Championship and how he was feeling. And we saw Kofi in the corner of the screen holding a pancake and talking about that stuff. He crushed the pancake and smiled. And a lot of people caught on, caught on to it. A lot of people didn't. But once they saw these tweets go out, they were started questioning. There was a lot of uh, back and forth on Twitter that I saw. Are they planting the seeds for a Kofi Kingston heel turn? Are they planting the seeds for a New Day heel turn? Because if so, either or, Heavy Machinery is the best team to do with. They are extremely over, and they play well into the fun uh, positivity gimmick that the New Day currently occupies. It also puts them in a real life, in a real storyline with legit performers. If this does happen, and I really hope it does, Heavy Machinery. Machinery will be a top team, a top babyface team, um, kind of replacing the New Day as that babyface team of the WWE because you see Kofi Kingston, obviously a former WWE champion, multiple-time tag team champions with Xavier Woods, Big E. Individually, all three of them are stars. Together, the biggest group or the biggest, uh, most over-faction in WWE. Hands down, I don't care what you say, the but if WWE was to turn them or one or the other, uh, this is the best team. Heavy Machinery is the best team to do it with, like I said. Now, we see Xavier Woods is injured with an Achilles injury. Is he out for how long? Uh, will this hurt the New Day's storyline or their current place in WWE? Because if Kofi was to turn heel, if the New Day was to turn heel, I think Xavier Woods would be a big, big part of that. We've seen uh, big uh, Xavier Woods be the more emotional, more sensitive member of the New Day, which is why if Kofi was to turn heel, even if Big E was to turn heel, it needs to happen on Xavier. We've seen Xavier say before that he was a huge fan of Kofi Kingston before uh, he was even in WWE. We saw him get emotional when Kofi won the WWE Championship. So I think to get that heel heat, uh, either Kofi or Big E, if they were to turn, it has to be on uh, Xavier. But if the New Day was to turn heel overall, um, I think they just put, uh, pumped the brakes on that storyline because Xavier is out. 
And as a heel, that guy on the mic can freaking talk. He is so good as a heel. He's so good as a face, too. Xavier Woods deserves more credit than he gets because that we saw more from Roman Reigns and uh, King Corbin. King Corbin finally getting some sort of storyline. He's been in and out of the wave for a little bit since winning the King of the Ring tournament. But the storyline that he's involved with now is with Roman Reigns. We saw Corbin post a video talking about how The Rock, uh, you know, kind of embarrassed him, whatever. And now Roman, he's going to take it out on Roman because Roman's the only family member here to, you know, to deal with it. Now, like I said, that storyline stemmed back from The Rock. But can this ultimately lead to that match we've been asking or a lot of fans have been requesting for WrestleMania? Can this ultimately lead to The Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania? Uh, you know, Roman, Roman, a Roman Reigns storyline utilizing The Rock name. Uh, starting with King Corbin, obviously, this at this point in time. Can this ultimately lead to a match at WrestleMania? Um, that's the first thing that I thought about when Corbin started talking about The Rock and then brought up Roman Reigns. I said, ha, maybe they're planting the seeds for Roman to kind of be involved in some, or The Rock to be somewhat involved in the Reigns storylines going into WrestleMania. Um, now, if that was to happen, I don't know who would be the face or who would be the heel. Obviously, The Rock would be so over reigns would be obviously be the heel not by uh wwe's decision but by the fans decision because he's already he's already booed out of the building now but against the rock no chance in hell uh no pun intended to vince but roman you'd be the heel in that situation but in this situation currently with roman and corbin roman can take the loss because he's the new modern day, he's the modern day Cena, hands down. This guy, if he beats you, you're buried, but he can take the loss. It's fine. And like, and I, like I just said, if Corbin loses this storyline, he's buried. The, what else can happen? You know, he can't be, he can't lose anymore. He needs to win this storyline. Coming off a huge, monumentous win with the King of the Ring tournament, which is already fading back, you know, into the past really quickly. And he needs something to keep that momentum running. So I think. You know, being involved with Roman Reigns, he definitely needs to get the win over Roman and, you know, move on, either elevating him to the main event scene or even staying where he is right now is kind of between the main. We saw Nikki Cross win the six-pack women challenge to earn her shot against Bayley for the uh, women's championship. Uh, but she is in tag team right now. So with Alexa Bliss. But we've seen this storyline played out already a few months ago. We saw back and forth between Nikki Cross and Alexa uh, going at it with Bailey for you know the championship, which is kind of where their friendship started. Out of all those women in that match, I would have loved to see, uh, obviously, Dana Brooke get a shot. But uh, my pick was to see Carmella get the shot. There's a real story behind her and Bailey. They are real friends in real life. They used to be uh, friends down in NXT. And uh, this would kind of create that sense of attachment to the storyline, make it more personal, bring the bring the personable components to it, bring in a real life situation, a real life story. Great way to get uh, Bailey over as the heel that she currently is playing. Uh, I think Carmella, because she's one of the most over women in WWE, she you know obviously Bailey would really get heat for that. It would also elevate Carmella because Bailey is at the top of the mountain right now. So 
I don't see how that storyline can go wrong. I don't know why that's not the direction they went. They went with Cross, who isn't a tag team, like I said. And I, also, we've already seen this a few months back. It's just a little bit confusing. We kind of see, you know, WWE playing Ring Around the Rosie here. Uh, just stuff we repetitive stuff we've already seen. Now on SmackDown, I have to say Bailey and Miz, the Miz TV segment, moment the the moment of the night, the segment of the night, and I have to I do have to give credit to the Miz because over the last few months, Miz TV has been really really impressive. It used to be just you know gimmicky and you know set up a match, but now that he really hasn't been in the ring, he's been giving great promos. It's setting up great storylines. We've seen Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan on there already, so I really do see Miz TV being one of the the, if not the the greatest uh, talk show in WWE history, along the lines of uh, Piper's Pit, you know, and we've just seen great promos. And this week, like I said, great promos from Bailey and Miz. Miz trying to get answers out of Bailey. Bailey saying she really doesn't need to give any explanations for her actions, and Miz uh, calling out Lesnar, basically saying, uh, not basically, he did. He did say to Bailey, a, a quiet champion, what do you, Brock Lesnar? And then he pointed over to Sasha, asked her if that's it, that's her Paul Heyman. Now, something that I realized really quickly as they made their entrance was the perception of Sasha and Bailey's relationship. We've seen previously that Sasha was kind of the main event, the, the, the talk of the town, so to say. And Bailey kind of latched on to her. She was kind of the sidekick. Now that Bailey has turned fully heel, has won back her women's championship, cut her hair off, has a new attitude, kind of added some spunk to her her personality. As soon as they came out on the stage to Bailey's new entrance theme, by the way, that is kick ass. But when they made their entrance out to the to Bailey's new theme, it was instant. I honestly I couldn't believe how quickly I, I picked up on it. Bailey is kind of the leader now, and Sasha is playing the role more of the sidekick, which is really interesting to see because we've always seen, since they have been best friends, since they were even in NXT, Bailey has been more of the sidekick, the second act to Sasha Banks. Now, I've been a fan of both Sasha and Bailey since their NXT days, but over the years, we've seen them kind of plateau, you know, decrease and increase, but Bailey kind of just... Never really plateaued. Bailey just decreased, I feel like, the entire time. She started out hot in NXT. And as she made her way to the main roster, and over the years being on the main roster, she kind of just deflated. No pun intended to the Bailey buddies she destroyed. But her her role kind of deflated. She kind of got a little stale. And the gimmick was more for kids. It was nothing for adults to be, you know, aligned with, sort of say. Nothing that adults can really say that they related to. It was more of a kid gimmick, a happy, positive, you know. But now that's all over. And I love it, and I'm here for it, and I am truly a fan of Bailey. And after what she said on Friday Night SmackDown, claiming that she's always been there for the fans, she's always been there for the the to be the role model for the children of their fan of her fans. And what happened when she needed them most? They were not there. And it was just a really great promo i believed it i felt it and i had to agree with bailey and that really kind of made me like my stock my bailey stock you know really intensify because it was just a great promo something that we really haven't seen from bailey at all i don't think i don't i can't remember one promo that she gave that was like wow that was that was something that i felt that it was good 
I don't think we've ever felt that we've ever seen that from Bailey before. But if this is what we can expect from the new Bailey, I'm all for it. Put my money down, all of it on her. Um, right now, she is the talk of the women's division in WWE, hands down. Now, I do want to see her, like I said, I want to see her feud with Carmella. I want to see her feud with Dana Brooke. She can basically feud with anybody on both uh, Raw or SmackDown roster because she's just so dominant now as a heel. And plus, she's got her best friend, Sasha Banks, watching her back. I would also love to see it. And I have read reports that this is happening. I'm not really sure, but I would love to see it. Sasha Banks turning face. Bailey kind of uh, the turn happening where one or the other turns on the other. Uh, not really sure how that would go down if Bailey would turn. If Bailey gets too high, full of herself, uh, turns on Sasha, or if Sasha just gets tired of Bailey's new bullshit, turns on her, and it ends up being Sasha's a face, which would be really interesting to see because one, they don't go without the other. There is no Sasha Banks without Bailey, and there is no Bailey without Sasha Banks. So for them to feud, I think would be in a great storyline, especially for SmackDown, who really needs that. That star power right now on Fox with their ratings dropping. Now, a big question that I have is what's next for Daniel Bryan? We've saw we've seen Daniel Bryan kind of in a storyline with Roman and Eric Rowan and Luke Harper, and that kind of, that ended at Hell in a Cell. Eric Rowan was drafted to SmackDown, or he was drafted to Raw. Luke Harper and Daniel Bryan both drafted to SmackDown. Uh, does Bryan take a lighter schedule now? Now that the storyline's over, we haven't really seen much. It's been kind of quiet. Does he take a, a lighter schedule? Does he go into the mid-card scene? Now, after, I mean, after pinning uh, Shinsuke Nakamura this Friday night on SmackDown, could he kind of be setting himself up for a title shot at, for the Intercontinental Championship? Could we see matches between Daniel Bryan and Shinsuke Nakamura, Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan and any of the mid-card SmackDown superstars? I think that would be the best move for SmackDown. Like I said, with the ratings dropping, Daniel Bryan can put on a, ma a great match with anybody. But imagine matches against Shinsuke or Sami Zayn or even like a Drew Gulak. Great matches. Fantastic. I can't even, I can't even put into words what that would do for the brand and what that would do for ratings and what that would do for their stock because those superstars can go, but that's just a question. What what happens next for Bryant? Does he, like I said, does he stay in the mid card? I kind of believe he's going to after what we saw on SmackDown. Does this skyrocket him back to the main event because he is so over, even as a heel or as a face, whatever he is, he's so over. But winning the main event this past week on Friday Night SmackDown. Having the fans cheer, the show going off the air with Daniel Bryan raising his hands. Can we see Daniel Bryan making his way back to the main event scene? There's a lot of questions regarding Daniel Bryan. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I would just like some answers. But if it was up to me, I would love to see Daniel Bryan back in the mid-card scene. Utilize him when you have to. Daniel Bryan is one of the best wrestlers in the world, hands down. There's no contemplating that. You can't argue that. Uh, and like I said... Put him in the Intercontinental Championship title picture against Shinsuke, against Sami Zayn, against uh, Drew Gulak, against uh, Shorty G. I'm not, I'm not rephrase. Chad Gable. I refuse to call him Shorty G, but Chad Gable. Uh, now that Cesaro's back on SmackDown, maybe we can see that. Daniel Bryan versus Ali. Even, even continuing or reuniting his feud with The Miz. 
there's so many storylines that they can put Daniel Bryan in. Even if he does decide to stay on a lighter schedule, that would just be amazing, amazing storytelling, amazing matches, amazing overall quality for SmackDown. Now, there's no debating that WWE product, WWE program has been horrible over the last long while, should I say. And we finally have new uh, exclusive rosters to each show after the draft. We have new uh, writers in place, new creative directors. Everything is pretty much brand new. And also take into consideration that some of the roster is on their way to Saudi Arabia for Crown Jewel this week. So that's why we really didn't see many superstars that we normally see on this week's Raw. Even on SmackDown, uh, there was just a lot of superstars that were missing that should have been there. Um, but it was also a great chance for WWE to put on or show new faces. But something that really pissed me off on Friday Night SmackDown was Braun Strowman squashing Drew Gulak. And I don't care what you say it. It was if he was a, it was if it was being him burying him, or if it was a squash. Braun Strowman should be nowhere around Drew Gulak, and Drew Gulak should be nowhere around Braun Strowman. Not even a month ago, Gulak was the cruiserweight champion. Now, he was in a strong position on 205 Live. He was the top dog on that brand. He was strong. He was winning everything. He was beating the crap out of everybody. He's entertaining and he's fantastic in the ring. And his first night on SmackDown, you put him on against Braun Strowman, introducing him with the, the old gimmick that he had before he became the hard-hitting Drew Gulak in 205 Live. I don't know what they were thinking with that. Drew Gulak can be a star. He's very, very, uh, he's more of a simple competitor, more along the lines of Cesaro. He's not the best on the mic. He doesn't really have a look to him, but he is a fantastic professional wrestler. I would love to see him feud with the likes of Ali, Apollo Crews, Cesaro, like I said before, Daniel Bryan, Chad Gable, I refuse to fucking call him Shorty G, and The Miz. There's a lot of people on the SmackDown roster now that, or even put him against any of the uh, Lucha House boring people, and that's what I call him, Lucha House boring, because I just can't stand him. You have Kalisto, Lince Dorado, and uh, Grand Mandalik, which... I don't know if they're leaving next year, but they've always said they were leaving after their whatever. No one cares about them. But they would put on fantastic matches against Drew Gulak if that was the you know if that was the case. Now something that the WWE doesn't really I I, I don't understand the concept. They don't pick it up. But the key is to create larger a larger mid card scene instead of the alternative. We want you know you want an exclusive uh, main event scene. You want a wider range for the for the mid card. And the lower card, you have the superstars that you people don't really, uh, you know, are not as over as other superstars. Or superstars you're trying to get the fans uh, to really get to know. Like Humberto Carrillo and, th- and people like that. You have to take the system of Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. NXT is the developmental. SmackDown before was after they got some, you know, some momentum behind them. You put them on the live on live TV. People get to know them. And then when you make it to Monday Night Raw, you've made it to the big show. The show that everybody wants to be on, Monday Night Raw, the flagship show of WWE. You have to take that concept and use it on your shows. Now that kind of seems a little confusing, but let me explain it to you and I'll give you I'll, I'll give it to you in a really detailed way. Each show will have a low card, a mid card, and a main event scene. Look at the low card, the lower card as the developmental part. Look at it as the NXT of the brands. Look at it as the spot on the show 
where superstars who don't really get either who are not on every week or who WWE is trying to, you know, make the fans uh, learn more about. So like I said, Humberto Carrillo, put him in the low card of Raw. As he gains momentum, as he starts to get over, you move him up to the mid card. Then maybe he gets a shot at, you know, uh, the United States Championship, something like that, which would be SmackDown if you were looking at the the uh, the low card, middle card, and main event, which would be NXT, Developmental, SmackDown, and then Raw. So let me just take a step back because that can seem a little confusing. What I said was there are three brands, Developmental, NXT, and you have the mid card, which would be SmackDown, and you have the main event, which would be Raw because that's the perception that these brands have had over the years. So use that, you use that model and use it on your show. So for Raw or SmackDown, whatever the show may be, you have the low card, the middle card, and the main event. The key here is to create a larger mid-card scene instead of the alternative. You don't want a, a huge lower card. You want a larger middle card, a more exclusive main event scene. So when there are main events, people are watching. People are interested. The stories need to be better, bigger, and you know, obviously more significant than the other uh, storylines on, on the shows. Now, the mid-card needs more superstars because there will be more opportunity there. This gives you the opportunity to have six-man ladder matches for an Intercontinental or a United States Championship match. This gives you more uh, opportunity to have uh, different storylines that can possibly lead to, you know, championship title runs. As people get, as the superstars get more over, more experienced, more known to the WWE Universe, or just in general the wrestling community, they can move up to the main event scene or stay where they are, or even go back down to the lower card if things are not working out. But you have to use the, the that concept when doing these shows. The key, like I'm going to keep saying over and over again, the key is to create a larger mid-card scene. Well, now that I confused the hell out of everybody, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, there's still a lot, a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, Impact Wrestling that we're going to be on. That's going to be on tonight. They just had Bound for Glory this past Sunday. A lot of stuff happened. We're going to talk about Monday Night Raw and what to expect from the Wednesday Night Wars this week. So when we come back, that's all what we're talking about. So like I said, we'll be right back after this. What's up, Bengal fans? Have you followed our social media pages yet? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Angle Radio for your full all-access backstage pass to everything pro wrestling. Once again, that's at The Angle Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now back to the studio. Now welcome back to The Angle. I'm your host, Joey Carney. And like I said before, there is a lot, a lot of stuff that we are still going to talk about. Impact Wrestling finally back on live TV. They are going to be on tonight at 8 o'clock. They are coming off their biggest event of the year, Bound for Glory, that happened this past Saturday. And we're going to jump into all of that right now. I do have to give props to Impact Wrestling because they have come, they have come so far from nearly being put out of business to making their, you know, to, to revamping the, the company, basically. And now they have superstars like Eddie Edwards. They have Joey Ryan, who just made his debut after signing a multi-year uh, contract. He was a free agent for a long time, and he signed with Impact Wrestling. We saw people like Havoc, Rosemary, Madman Fulton, uh, Swaggle, formerly known as Homer Swaggle. We saw Tommy Dreamer, Kylie Ray making her debut after leaving AEW just after a quick short period there. We saw the return of Sabu, the extreme Sabu. 
Impact Wrestling is another company that has such a stacked roster. We saw Tyre Valkyrie uh, defeat Tennille Dashwood uh, to retain her uh, Knockouts Championship. We saw the North versus RVD and Rhino. Oh my God! And versus Rich Swan, Rich Swan and Willie Mack. It was a triple threat for the tag team titles. And at the end of that match, we saw something that we didn't think we'd ever see. RVD turned heel on Rhino. Hit him with a super kick before hitting Swan with a super kick, allowing the North to pick up the win. After that match, the North won. It's just crazy to see. First of all, it's crazy to see RVD back in professional wrestling. But it's also crazy to see him as a heel. It's something that you never thought you'd see. But then again, everybody said that about Bailey, and look where we are today. So after this past Sunday, RVD is a heel, and he'll probably be going against Rhino, a rivalry that we did not ever think to see in 2019. Probably the biggest match coming out of Impact Wrestling this week, this weekend, or should I say Bound for Glory, was Moose versus Ken Shamrock. Now, if you don't know these people, you need to get involved. You need to check them out. Obviously, everyone knows who Ken Shamrock is. He is a Hall of Famer, a UFC Hall of Famer. He is the original Brock Lesnar. And nobody can debate that. This guy is in his 50s looking like he's got the body of a 20-year-old. This guy is in completely... I, I just couldn't, I couldn't even believe the shape this guy is in. But he, uh, he took a spear from Moose, got pinned. I don't know if this is a one-off, but he got a lot of, a lot of traction coming back into professional wrestling. He said he wanted to come back. Uh, I thought he was going to be somewhat involved in WWE. Uh, but we don't know. Maybe he can go there next. I don't know what's going to happen. But Ken Shamrock in a match at Bound for Glory, losing to Moose. If you didn't see it, you got to check it out. It was an impressive match, like I said, for being 50-something years old. It was just, it was a really, really good. I, I, I'm really impressed with where Impact Wrestling is going and what they've been doing lately. The main event of the show, the Impact World Championship, the no disqualification match. Brian Cage, the champion, Brian Cage versus Sammy Callahan. You want to talk about Extreme? Watch this match. <laughs> Cage, he won that match with a drill claw on thumbtacks. On thumbtacks. We saw Sammy Callahan's face literally get ripped open on live TV, bleeding everywhere. It was disgusting. I, I had to kind of turn my my face. It was gross, but it was extreme, and it was exactly what everybody was hoping for in that match. Sammy Callahan got what he had coming to him. It was a really impressive match, but I am looking forward to what's going to happen tonight on Impact, the fallout of Bound for Glory. I said it's happening tonight, 8 p.m., on Access TV. As you can hear in the background, NWA Power just wrapped up on YouTube. If you didn't check it out, I've been watching it this, this entire podcast. But uh, if you didn't check it out, you can go watch it back now on YouTube. The live feed is ending now, but they are available on their YouTube channel. Like I said, NWA Power live on YouTube. Now, I want to talk about what we saw last night on Monday Night Raw. I did say on Twitter I really did not enjoy it, but I have to re- I have to retract that statement because I did actually enjoy this week's Raw. Now, I know a lot of people will disagree with that because it was kind of slow. It was not really exciting. It was a quiet, more quieter or a quieter uh, Monday Night Raw. But the, the matches were quality matches. They were longer matches, stuff that we've, known, we've typically not seen in a, in a little, little while. 
Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Ricochet, first match of the card, stole the show. Uh, I just couldn't. I was so impressed with both McIntyre, you know, finally making his return. Ricochet, we haven't really seen much of Ricochet lately. He's he really hasn't been involved in any storylines. Uh, but this is basically uh, picking up where McIntyre left off. He when he left two months ago or so. Uh, he lost his qualifying match for the King of the Ring to Ricochet. So this is a great way to bring him back into the picture. Uh, let the world know that he is going to be the last member of Team Flair this weekend at Crown Jewel. Uh, taking out one of Team Hogan's stars, like I said, Ricochet. Drew McIntyre making his return with the Claymore kick. The most devastating one I think I've ever seen. Knocking Ricochet out. Impressive, impressive match. This guy's money. I'm calling it now. If not by if not by WrestleMania, he will be the Universal Champion come WrestleMania. Now another match that was on the card: Andrade versus Sin Cara. A match that we typically, I feel like we've seen this a while back. There was supposed to be some storyline with the two. It never really took off. I think Sin Cara got hurt. He's been out for nearly a year, but this was an eye grabber and it lasted a good amount of time, especially for a match involving Sin Cara. We saw more about what Sin Cara has been doing behind the scenes of really not being involved, more help uh, being an advocate around his town in El Paso, Texas, helping out the community, doing you know really cool, nice things. I think WWE is trying to build him as a star again. I'm not really sure. I remember years ago when he first signed with the company, they tried to make him almost, I don't want to say the new Rey Mysterio, but it kind of felt like they were trying to make him the new uh, Rey Mysterio slash uh, Spanish uh, star in the WWE. So I'm not really sure what is going with that. But something I did realize about Raw overall last night, there was a lot of Lucha Libre style uh, matches. A lot of uh, Spanish heritage was featured on the show. We saw Andrade. We saw Zelina Vega. We saw uh, Sin Cara. We saw Rey Mysterio. We saw Kane, uh, Kane Velasquez. There was just a lot of... Uh, we saw Humberto Carrillo. Uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of Spanish influences last night on the show, which is really interesting to see because they're more of the the cruiserweights. And I'm really enjoying, you know, I, I enjoy the cruiserweights overall, but I am enjoying seeing the cruiserweights kind of step up and be, you know, a significant part of Monday Night Raw. One of my favorite segments from last night, uh, it wasn't the full segment, it was a short part of it. Shelton Benjamin interrupting Rey Mysterio. By the way, I have to say, before I go any further with this storyline, Rey Mysterio has sucked since he made his return to WWE. I think he's been injured more, or if he's been injured, or if he's, uh, if it's just part of the storyline that he's injured, I'm not sure, but he has been injured majority of the time he's been back, and it sucked, and I don't understand what they're doing with him. This is a guy who won the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania by defeating Kurt Angle and Randy Orton. And now you have him just basically being a jobber, losing to Rey uh losing to, or beating, getting his ass kicked by uh, Brock Lesnar and different superstars. And he wins a title, and then he has to forfeit it because of a injury. It's just not really working out this time around. Uh, I think what they need to do is they need to somewhat get Dominic involved. If he's not ready... That's fine, but don't put him on TV and don't really utilize him like they are trying to, to, you know, foreshadow what's going to happen. If it's not happening now, don't use it. But I do want to jump back into what we saw, like I said, from Shelton Benjamin, interrupting Rey Mysterio, uh, 
claiming that all you have to do is beat up Rey Mysterio to get a title shot, uh, making you know making reference to Brock Lesnar beating up Rey Mysterio a few weeks back and then winning the WWE Championship on Friday, which is not exactly uh, the case. Uh, the, fe- the the point that Shelton was making because Brock had that opportunity before he beat up Mysterio, so that doesn't really count. But uh, in other cases where Mysterio was U.S. champion, I think uh, a few months back, actually, he literally gave the title to Samoa Joe. We've seen him injured, having to give up the Intercontinental Championship. But back to what I was saying, I keep getting sidetracked here. But in, uh, Shelton Benjamin interrupted Rey Mysterio. Uh, Shelton talking about what you know what you have to do to get a title shot. Started picking up on, uh, picking on, bullying Mysterio, only to have Kane uh, Velasquez come out, which was kind of awkward to me because honestly, this guy, he does not look like a fighter. He doesn't look scary. He doesn't look like a badass. He doesn't look like Brock Lesnar. He comes out slanky in his like jeans and t-shirt, and he doesn't look like anything that I would be terrified of. Although I know his background, I know he's the one who whipped Brock Lesnar's ass and won the UFC Heavyweight Championship from. But besides the point, he doesn't even have the body of what you would think would be the one to take out Lesnar. So I don't really understand what they're doing with him. But it was awkward uh, when he came out. You know, like I said, Benjamin pointing out obvious facts about title opportunities and references history with Brock, which we've already seen before. We've seen Shelton interrupt. Uh, and kind of talk about the history, how he was roommates with Brock Lesnar, how he trained Brock Lesnar, blah, 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 blah. We've seen it happen around uh, was at WrestleMania or SummerSlam with Seth. He came out and did the same thing to Seth. They had a match, and, you know, the same thing happened. But uh, I felt Kane attacking uh, Shelton with Mysterio watching was kind of a heel move. It was more of like a two-on-one-ish kind of thing. The crowd booed. I felt like it came off very like like as they came off as heels like it was kind of strange. Um, I understand what they were trying to do, but I don't think it worked. I think it was a bad. Uh, I, I just don't think Kane Velasquez is ready for the role that WWE is putting him in. I want to touch base on the uh, Humberto Carrillo versus Seth Rollins match. Classic match. It was a fantastic match. Humberto Carrillo really put on a a wrestling clinic. Uh, Seth Rollins really you know did his thing in the ring. Great match, but Humberto is not over. The crowd does not know him. Uh, he was new to uh, 205 Live when he was drafted to Raw. He'd only been there, uh, only been on there for a couple weeks, maybe a month or so. The crowd really didn't get to know him yet. Um, all they knew is that he was a cruiserweight and that he was related to somebody in NXT. Now he's drafted to Raw. Nobody really knows who he is. And if you're trying to get him over like that, this is not the way to do it because that match overall did nothing for him because. Although it was a great match next week, it means nothing. I'd be surprised if even next week we see Humberto Carrillo because that's the way WWE Creative has been going lately. Now, for example, if we were to see a match between Seth Rollins and Drew Gulak, let me tell you, the talk of today would be Drew Gulak. But because nobody really knows Humberto and they do know Drew, people are behind Drew, no one is really behind Humberto yet, it just doesn't really make sense to put him in the main event or put him in one of the main events on Raw, have him face the Universal Champion. Everybody knows what he can do. That That's obvious. We've seen that in, in uh, 205 Live. But nobody knows him. Nobody knows anything about him. All they know is that he looks like a freaking Power Ranger. That's it. And the main event of the show, I did. I do have to say, was impressive. We saw the debut, the Raw debut 
of the Street Profits. They took on the OCs, Luke Gallows, Carl, uh, Carl Anderson. It was supposed to be a three-on-three match uh, with AJ Styles obviously joining the OC. The Street Profits were supposed to find a third partner. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. The match kind of it was a tag team match. AJ was on the side, and I knew what was going to happen exactly. You know when we saw this when we come back when we came back from commercial break, I knew it was going to happen. AJ was going to get involved somewhat around the time that the Street Profits were going to get the win. They were going to it was going to be like a three on two beatdown, and someone was going to come out and save the Street Profits. It's kind of sort of happened. It got to the point where AJ got involved. The referee saw it, threw him out, and out comes supposedly the third partner for the for the Street Profits, Kevin Owens. I did put a uh, a poll on Twitter, uh, giving some names who you know to ask you know the Angle fans who would be the third the third partner to join the Street Profits. Some of the uh, res- some of the options I put were Cedric Alexander, which is kind of an obvious one. I kind of before I, I said names, I went down the list of superstars, uh, new draft picks that we saw, who were drafted to Raw, and have not been featured on the show yet. So I put uh, Akira Tozawa, uh, Kevin Owens. I put down Cedric Alexander, and then I had uh, Ricochet down, but that was before uh, he had his match earlier in the night. But I did make the prediction that it would be Kevin Owens. It was only the only logical choice besides Cedric Alexander. But we've seen already AJ Styles bury Cedric Alexander. So I don't think that was going to happen. Uh, especially being in the main event of the show, you needed a pop. You needed some wow factor. And that is Kevin Owens. He came out, stunned AJ Styles. The Street Profits got their win. And I do have to say, it is so exciting to see the Street Profits on Monday Night Raw. I've been a huge fan of them since they debuted as the Street Profits. I've been a huge fan of Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins. Seven years in WWE. Seven years down in Orlando at the Performance Center with NXT. Angelo Dawkins is finally on the uh, on the main roster. But not only that, he's on Monday Night Raw. I'm, I'm so happy for them. They Out of everybody, anyone, they deserve this opportunity. They put in the work. And they got all the smoke. This past week, they made their debut. They won against the OC in the main event of Monday Night Raw. What an ending to the show. Overall, I enjoyed Raw. Like I said, it was, you know, the quality matches. A lot of vignettes. Uh, we saw AOP coming back. Uh, no one cares about the Rusev, Lana, and Bobby Lashley stuff. So hopefully that goes away soon. Um, I, think every, I think a lot of these storylines will end after Crown Jewel. And we can finally get started on the road to Survivor Series. Now, a big question that is on my mind, and I'm sure it is on the mind of other uh, wrestling fans. We have a five-on-five match at Crown Jewel this weekend. We have Team Hogan versus Team Flair. This is traditionally the five-on-five match we see at Survivor Series. So are we getting another five-on-five at Survivor Series this year? Or are we not getting one at all? Which I think would be the first one ever to not have the traditional Survivor Series tag team match. Uh, I don't know what WWE's doing because Hell in a Cell was horrible. And that was the last pay-per-view. So I don't know what's happening. But I am looking forward to seeing uh, what comes after Crown Jewel. Because the matches on Crown Jewel, I'm not really a fan of. Uh, Cesaro was not drafted. And... He was a free agent, and nobody knew what the hell was going on with him. And now he's in a match against Monsoon at uh, Crown Jewel. So I don't know what's going on. Hopefully we get some answers soon. We know how WWE is with that. We never get our answers. We never get what we want. That's just typical WWE behavior. Now, I do want to talk about 
what we're going to see this week in the Wednesday Night Wars. I feel like this week in particular is going to be an extremely, extremely high volume uh, show for both NXT and AEW. We, we're going to see Roderick Strong defend his North American Championship against Dijakovic and Keith Lee in a triple threat match on NXT. We're going to see Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair. We're going to see the NXT return of Finn Balor. There is so much happening on NXT, but on the AEW side, we're seeing matches like John Moxley versus Pac. We're seeing Jack Evans versus Joey Janela. Finally, Janela making his debut on TNT with AEW. We're seeing the best friends take on the Young Bucks. There is a lot of matches that are going to happen. We're going to see Cody Rhodes uh, speak. He's going to cut a promo on Chris Jerk, and I'm sure we will see the members of the inner circle. Like I said, it's gonna be it's going to be an exciting week for both NXT and AEW. And I want to know which one you're gonna be watching. So you can tweet me at the angle radio. Let me know if you're gonna be watching both, if you're gonna be streaming one, watching one on live TV, vice versa, if you're watching any of them, and if you're not watching any at all. I want to know what you're thinking, what you're excited for, what you're expecting to see. Uh and in general, what you're freaking thinking. Uh tweet me at the angle radio. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. Now at 7 o'clock, we have AEW Dark, which is highlighting basically the dark matches that we did not see on TV for AEW. And special commentator Taz is going to be on there. It's so cool to see Taz back in professional wrestling. We also have Total Divas tonight. I don't know if you watch that. I do, just because I'm interested to see you know the women's superstars that we really don't get to see anything of on live television. So that's another show we have looking forward to. And like I said, Wednesday is NXT and AEW. Thursday, we have uh, uh, NXT UK. And Thursday will be the next show. So between now and then, there is a lot of stuff that is going to go down. Like We are going to talk about it on Thursday on our next show. And like I said, tweet us at The Angle Radio. We want to know what you're looking forward to. What shows you're not really... Uh, you don't really, you don't really care for what you expect to see from everything that's going on. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever. Let's just talk. Tweet us at the Angle Radio. There was so much going on. I didn't even get to read any fan tweets today. Uh, I promise we will do that on Thursday. We've been going at it, just talking about everything that's been going on. And there's something always going on in the professional wrestling world now. It's just crazy. It's getting crazier and crazier and crazier. We still have stuff coming out of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor. Uh, there's just always something going on. But just a quick reminder, our next live show is going to be November 24th. It's going to be the Survivor Series pre-show. Uh, we will run down the card. I'll have a special guest. We'll do some uh, contests. We'll give away some you know, merch, uh, either the Angle merch or your favorite superstar merch, either from AEW, WWE, whatever you want. We're going to try to get everything so we can give some stuff away and have some fun. Now, uh, if you didn't know, our new schedule for our shows is every Tuesday and Thursday. Everything from Thursday on is covered on Tuesday, and everything from Tuesday on is covered on Thursday. We don't we don't just recap what is happening. We talk about it. We give our opinions. We ask you what you're thinking. It's an interactive experience like you've never experienced before. It is the ultimate pro wrestling podcast. We are The Angle. I am your host, Joey Carney, and thank you for listening. We will see you on Thursday. And before you go, remember that The Angle is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Rate us and leave a review, and we'll read it live on the air. See you on the next episode.